Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I am so excited about today's episode. If you are like me, you are still coming down from what was the craziest hour of television on Sunday night during the season three finale of HBO's Succession. Being a massive Succession fan, it felt like a national holiday. I think that I sat up until the very early hours of Monday morning, scrolling Twitter, viewing the commentary, the jokes, the little tidbits and Easter eggs that we might have missed. And I'm so excited to be bringing that all together today in our first ever Succession season finale recap. And of course, I could not do this without the one and only Hunter Harris. For those of you who don't know Hunter, she is a pop culture writer and Twitter's favorite critic. When it comes to succession, there is no voice I trust or refresh my feed more for than Hunter's. This past summer, she actually spent two weeks on set with the Roys for the filming of the highly anticipated season and profiled the cast for Vulture. She publishes a widely beloved column, Succession Power Rankings, after each episode on her Substack hung up and is notoriously known for her incredibly witty and sharp commentary of television's most controversial family. Today, we're gonna break down the episode from our favorite performances to plot lines we loved to going team Tom and who remains in power after that incredibly shocking ending. I hope you guys love this episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today and for this whole year. This being our last episode of 2021, I just want to share my gratitude and appreciation for all of you for tuning in every week. This is our last episode of the year, so we will be off the next two weeks, and I can't wait to see you guys on January 3rd. Here's my friend, Hunter Harris. Hello. Hi. Wow, she goes first. She's like, hello. (laughs) She knows. By the way, you know because you are actually the first person I've ever had back on the show. Are you sure? I don't yeah. think that's true. Well, I had Joe, but Joe was like an official co-host. Like, okay. I actually have not had a recurring guest before. And that just... <laughs> and that's tea, actually. Thank you. <gasps> Testament to just how much I love you <laughs> how obsessed I am with you. Very excited to have you here today. Thank you for coming all the way from downtown. All the way from downtown. You move to LA and people are like, ugh, crossing the town. It's like, no, no it's terrible. It's terrible. It is not like spanning Manhattan. It no, is a it's different. Not. It's a different trek. I was thinking I'd rather go uptown 
than to like go cross town in LA. Like I'd rather go from like Brooklyn to like, you know, upper Manhattan. Yeah. At least on the train, it's like fast. Anyway, sorry, boring city talk. Totally boring. No, <laughs> but you know, it. you're a new, it's not permanent LA person. So for now, I get to make fun of you. Have fun, <laughs> have fun watching you try. Before this guy, she lived on Hollywood and Vine and it was just... It it made my heart sing. I was like, oh man. I'll say it was pretty bad. It, it was, was not. Bad. It was not great. Um, <laughs> yes. Second, my first congratulations of being back on the show is a major congratulations on the fact that you are probably going to have less and less stress dreams moving forward from this point on. Yes. No. I. It was for the last. So I was on set in June, and it was like last week in June, first week in July of Succession, and ever since then I've been having stress dreams like truly once a week. Lately, it's been like multiple times a week that um, the entirety of Succession is spoiled because, you know, what like I like leave my phone at like a bar or something or like I have my computer open at a Soho house and it's like, oh my gosh, everyone is mad at me specifically. It's like everything is ruined because of Hunter Harris. So I'm happy now that I can talk about it and I don't have to feel like I'm holding the secret. That's a lot of pressure. Kendall T, I'll say. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, it's tough to be an elite citizen and know what happens in succession for six months without spoiling it. But I'm really glad that you are about to enter a lighter phase of life. Right. No, I, I do feel unburdened now. I feel I think I like lost like 20 pounds just between last night and this morning now that I can talk about it openly. I mean, we're on LA time, obviously, but I wake up at like 630 this morning and Hunter is already on Instagram. She's posted <laughs> her recent podcast. She's posted her two stories, her Substack. Like it is Hunter's Super Bowl. But no, it really, it is. really is. It really is. Yeah. Succession is my Super Bowl. I mean, usually it's like the Oscars, but in such a like sort of truncated Oscar season now, it feels like Succession is like just so much fun to talk about all the time. I don't think that I actually went to sleep last night. I think I was high on adrenaline for like five hours. I watched the episode twice. Yes, same. Okay. okay. Glad that we're on the same page with that because people were like, why? Like you saw it. No, like, I no, have to watch it twice. Have to go back through, need these drugs. Like, so I think I was in a, a state of panic last night, <laughs> but I'm so excited to have you on today to recap last night. And obviously you have such a crazy background in this season specifically, having gone to Italy and summer vacationed basically with the boys, which is the craziest thing ever. I will call it the trip where I got flewed out by Logan Roy because that feels correct. I, okay, so when you were watching it, like what was your immediate reaction to just like all the Italy stuff, all of the family wedding stuff? Because that stuff was hilarious to me. Like it was, it was all comedy until like, I felt like the very like last three scenes when it's like, whoa. Yes. I mean, Okay, I'll, I'll I'll be very, very honest here and say that, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of this season mm -hmm. up until the last two episodes. Mm -hmm. And I feel ashamed of that. I won't <laughs> lie. <laughs> because I actually feel like I was one of those people that Twitter was mocking, being like, everybody calm down about succession. Like, it's not bad. You're just being greedy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think with the wedding stuff, Anytime there's a wedding, you know that shit's going to go down. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was just going to be this like complete climax of something. I did not know that that's where it was going to go. Mm -hmm. And I remember my conversation with you like four months ago when we were sitting at dinner, you were like, just wait. And I was like, no, but but I don't understand. What do you mean just wait? Like how far can this go? Right. But like you delivered on the just wait. <laughs> um, just wait without any spoilers, I should say. Like just knowing that something is coming. I mean, I think if you look at the structure of this season specifically, it's like the fact that the shareholders meeting, which has been 
you know, we've been talking about and discussing in like Succession Universe for, I mean, like a season and a half now. Right. Um, that that came mid-season, I feel like is such, it's so indicative of like the larger vision. Right. That something that I think any other show would make that like the climax of like this entire season. And that was really just like the mid-season sort of bump. Like it, it wasn't something that like, something that, you know, we'd been leading up to and talking about for for a long, long time. Right. Kind of comes very early in the season. And so it kind of opens it up because you don't know what's going to happen. It's like, oh, well, if Logan could survive that with a UTI, so not painlessly, but still survive it, you know, what other moves are there to make? And then once Alexander Skarsgård comes in, like I'll call him hottie, Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk, then it kind of shifts the scales of like what's possible, I think, in a really interesting way. What did you think about last night in general? I thought it was great. I, I thought I went back and forth. I watched it and I was like, this is so funny. And then I was like, this is so tragic. And that I think is like kind of where a succession, that's like the sweet spot. That's like, that's where the show lives, I think. I totally agree. I think though, maybe it's just me. I had never felt more emotionally connected to the characters last night, as corny and cliche as it sounds. Mm -hmm. But watching the moments of the three siblings kind of reconcile and band together and probably was what I would assume is maybe the first time since like their teenage years, Mm -hmm. maybe young adults. I was definitely emotional watching that. Like that struck a chord for me that, and honestly, I'm not usually the person that feels emotionally connected to them. I'm like, (laughs) oh, okay, the poor rich kids. But no, last night I was like, wow, this is actually, I felt like last night I saw a different side of every character that I had never seen. Yeah, but I think you also see them that how they're so much more themselves when they're together. I think the scene where Kendall has this, you know, breakdown and he is confessing to killing the waiter or being involved in the waiter's death. And Roman's immediate reaction is like, first kind of surprise and confusion. And then he's like, oh, you didn't kill that waiter. Like, no, like the, the car and the, like the road and the water did. Right. And he's and then he's like, well, that makes sense. It took forever to get a drink at Shiv's wedding. That, that was maybe one of the best lines of the show. It's so good. And it just shows you how much Roman is like so extremely himself when he's around his siblings and how Kendall always defaults to like, woe is me defaults to, right. um, you know, main character syndrome, we can say. Right. Um, but Roman was instantly like, oh, mm, I can deflate this with a joke. I can make this, I can make this better for all of us in the moment. And I just really love that. I loved that too. I thought it was, it was uh, Christiana, my amazing producer over there, who is also a massive Succession fan, was really pointing out a lot of the triggers in that moment. And I think watching it, I was trying to figure out, he kept looking over at the wait staff that was coming out to put mm-hmm. the garbage in the trash. And I kept trying to kind of decode that in the moment. And we were talking about it this morning that she was like, he was being triggered by this moment to reveal it to his siblings. And it's just those little moments that I always find to be so impactful and like to watch him break down like that in front of his siblings and especially as they're walking away when Roman's like what do you want to do and he's like can I be with you guys Mm -hmm. I was like "Ooh," you kind of forget in the midst of a season like this where it is so cutthroat and they are doing horrible shit to each other yeah that you forget that there is that camaraderie yeah and something I noticed when I was watching it like (laughs) for the second time in a row last night was that um you know, they're having this intense emotional moment and they are so close. And then Shiv kind of kind of pulls them away and she's like, guys, we have to deal with this right now. Like we have to figure out if what's happening with the sale, if something is going down and if we're not inside of it. And it is like sort of the tragedy of the show. I think it was Jesse Armstrong, the creator, who like we talked about this in Italy. He was like, the tragedy of the show is that like all of the family stuff is business stuff, is family stuff, is business stuff. Right. And it's like in that moment where she has to kind of... um, 
you know, just like redirect all of their energy to like this thing that is business only from a true family moment, I thought was so like sad. It's like, wow, imagine having this incredible moment of closeness and you're like, oh my gosh, like what the fuck is our dad up to right now? We have to go figure it out. That was like, oh wow, this is peak succession. We'll be right back after a quick break. Has not being able to find the right therapist stopped you from achieving your personal goals? If so, you are not alone. Finding the right person and feeling like you've connected enough to divulge your life secrets is no easy feat. So I'm here to help. Meet BetterHelp. It's a digital platform that assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. If therapy has ever felt daunting to you, this is the most comfortable way you will ever do it. You'll be connected in a safe and private online environment with no waiting room, no worrying about running into people or having small talk. It's incredibly convenient too. You can even take your sessions from your couch at home. In fact, you can start communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours. So that thing that you're going through, whether it's family issues during the holidays or just feeling overwhelmed in general, yeah, we can get to solving that in just two days from right now. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor at any time if you need. You can send a message to your counselor at any time, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly phone or video sessions. It is completely confidential, and they cover a range of topics from depression to relationships, self-esteem, family conflicts, and so much more. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They are currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com friend. You'll be joining over 1 million people who have also taken charge of their mental health too. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash friend. Now let's get back to the show. So last night, Twitter was obviously ablaze, but my favorite thing that I saw the second that I jumped on Twitter, like within seconds of the episode ending, was the amount of people that were tweeting at you asking for your power rankings. <laughs> and... For those of you who don't know, Hunter is notoriously known for her incredible Substack, Hung Up, um, when Succession is in season every Sunday, pretty like I'd say like 30 minutes to an hour after the show, she will release her Succession power rankings for the episode. And I love what you were just saying about Shiv in that moment, because I did notice in your power rankings for the season, Shiv ranked pretty low on um Almost she every did. episode. Listen, it was a hard season for Shiv. It um, was. I. What did you think about her? I think overall, you know, this is my favorite episode from season two was when they went to the Pierce family house and it was like the other rich family. And Shiv never really recovered from kind of trying to pull the rug under from under Logan in that right. episode when she kind of wants to back him into a corner and make him announce her CEO. And I think ever since then, he's really been pushing her away. And again and again this season, she's been trying to get back into the mix of things, get back in the middle. And he like sort of gives her that like fake girl bossy job at the top as like director of America or whatever. Like something that is obviously like a clown show. I mean, even Kendall calls her out for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and Connor does too. Connor has that great line where he said, I think it was in episode two or three, he says like, you know, remember when you were little and you had like a post office that you set up in the penthouse? Yeah. This is like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it really is. It's like she's being placated and she tries to kind of, you know, edge out Roman. It never happens. And so I think it was a very frustrating season for her. Having After having come to the company, which she'd avoided for so long, she comes and it's like, oh, there's no, there's nothing there for her. And then and Logan really bristles at her when he's handling the errands and stuff with Adrian Brody. And she's trying to like kind of like girl boss Frank and Carl. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, sorry, we work here. Right. You just walked in the door. 
And so I think we're seeing the limits of Logan's patience with Shiv, definitely, but also the limits of Shiv's actual, like, competence. Like, she's not very good at her job once she's actually doing it. Because you know people like that. You know right. people who really fancy themselves as, like, the outsider, the disruptor, all the stuff, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, you know, when push comes to shove, she's not. And I think my favorite episode this season, I mean, obviously I did love the finale, but my favorite episode this season was um, the second episode when the siblings all go to Kendall's apartment. Or not, I'm sorry, <laughs> Rava's, Rava's apartment, apartment where Kendall has set up shop. Um, and you see the siblings bickering and Kendall has that line where he says like, I'm the real you to Shiv. Right. And it is kind of true. Everything that Shiv has like been talking about doing or been talking about being fucked at, he did. And it didn't work out for him, obviously. It didn't work out for any of them. But there is this level that Shiv really has such an inflated sense of self that always does her in in the end. That was extremely apparent last night in... One thing I saw on Twitter that I loved was the amount of people being like, why can't these kids just be rich and shut up? (laughs) And honestly, after watching it the second time and watching Shiv be like that line where she looks at her dad and being like, if you're not at the top, we're fucked. It was awkward. (laughs) That is like, to me, that is so crazy to say. Yeah. And so, like, such a crazy reality to admit to yourself that, oh, I actually, like, don't have anything going for me. Like, if, no, like, if, without if he's him, not there, I'm nothing. nothing. We collapse. This whole thing collapses. And I think that that's something that she'd kind of always known but never wanted to admit. And then she actually now has to admit it that, oh, my God, um, there's nothing here for us regardless. And so I think that, like, there is this sense that the kids, like, don't really, they actually never really work that hard. Like, Lo, I'm sorry, Roman is actually kind of the hardest worker. He, like, did that fake little management training. He blew up a spaceship. Blew up a spaceship. <laughs> he like kind of, you know, I love that they allude to like the Hollywood years where yeah. he was like running the studio. Um, but he actually is the only person who like has ever done anything like with any sort of like basic competence. But then again, it's like with the dick pic, I, there's no coming back from that in Logan's eyes, I think. And you can see his like weird homophobia, his weird like super cringy stuff when he's like talking about his girlfriend Carrie to Roman like kind of bragging about her right I can see why Logan would say actually none of these kids are it maybe I should have some other kids because these kids are not the ones that I can pass down my company to well he does have another kid (laughs) the eldest son Connor I should say I have to that scene watching it watching them shoot it and even watching the episode was so good Really such an incredible moment of like hilarious confrontation, but also like a lot of resentment. I loved Connor this episode. I thought he was so funny. Although I was kind of sad that Connor wasn't in that last that last scene. But then again, he's like not really in the company. So he's not really in the company. But something that I had a stress dream about that I woke up thinking about <laughs> was the fact that he wasn't in that scene and that he is a different mother. Yes. So I'm already like poking my nose in places I shouldn't being like, is that going to play a role in the next season? The fact that in my mind, he could have been sneaky in this situation. I'm so curious to see how that plays out because he actually is going to be completely unaffected by the situation that just completely changed the trajectory of the show. Right. I mean, I I think that there and granted, I don't know anything about business, Um <laughs> So I think that there's like, maybe he'll be affected by like the holding company stuff. But like when I watched the episode, I felt like, oh, like they don't have jobs. Like even if they, you know, go back to work, whatever day, it's like, well, then they'll be fired like, you know, week one, like every it's open season on them now. And um, I think Roman had a line where he says like, we'll be strung up in the town square if you're not in charge. 
So my feeling is like, Connor doesn't have that dynamic. He doesn't have like that much to lose in that same way. But still, he was like pissed about the merger because he doesn't like, what did he say? Matson wants to round up guys like him and his like digital gulag. Like, all right, Connor. Cute. I love it. <laughs> Connor is so much comedic relief in a great way. Like, I, I love that his character for that reason. And Willa. Willa engage. Willa soon to be fuck Roy. It. <laughs> fuck it. Honestly, if someone proposes to me and I say, fuck it, please come save me. Modern love. Modern love. And then she's crying during the wedding. And I'm just like, oh, this is too much. Like, I don't think she, I, I, this is, that's going to end very interestingly. So obviously we have said this many times on the show, but I just want to reiterate that Hunter was in Italy during the time this was filmed. She was there. She was physically present. We are in the presence of literally <laughs> royalty at the moment. It sounds very glamorous, but it's like they're in one boardroom doing incredible work and in that like living room. And then I'm like crouched in the next room, like a bedroom in a corner, like watching on the monitors. Like my mind's like blown, blown. every single take, like crazy. But mm. anyway, sorry. Anyways. You said that the way that that final shot was filmed was they filmed it multiple different ways and no one knew exactly what would be the final cut. So one cut where the kids didn't notice that Tom had walked in, Kendall only saw him. So then there would obviously be a rift between Kendall and Tom. There was a scene when no, none of them noticed and just us as viewers saw that moment between Tom and Logan. Mm -hmm. And then obviously there was the cut where Shiv saw Tom and you just had that really, really intense, almost godfather-like moment. Mm -hmm. um, that to me is such an incredible choice and makes it probably in that moment for you. Like, which way did you think it was going to go? I I think watching it, I thought either the kids won't know or only Shiv would know. Right. I thought, and it's not obvious, like this was a, uh, I think, like 12-page scene. Um, so they, they broke it up in different ways across like coverage and across the like setups, basically. So it was like really like the last like 30 seconds. I think they tried it a couple ways. But ultimately, I, I felt like, I think, and I think Sarah Snook said this to me and I put it in the story that like, Shiv knowing, but her brother's not knowing, and Tom maybe not knowing that Shiv saw that right. is, I think, just like a really powerful moment. Yeah. And it, I think it sort of isolates her in this episode that is really about the siblings being aligned. Like she has, she's the only one who sort of knows this. And I also think that like the dynamic between Shiv and Tom, I mean, always, but especially this season has been so hard to watch. Like even watching Tom you know, really fretting about going to prison and like what that would mean. And Shiv kind of like ignoring him all the time when he wants to talk about it. She's like, I think she's just like, why are you so obsessed with this? Right. And he's like, because I might go to fucking jail. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and she's like, hmm, yeah, maybe you should tell my dad. It's like, oh my gosh. But I don't know. Thinking about it, it's like, how much more of a rift could there actually be between these two people? Like they're already just, you know, miles and miles and miles apart all the time, regularly. Like this moment, it's like, I didn't, I didn't think it could become more intense. The not sex scene, but like sexy moment between the two of them that happened in episode eight, mm -hmm. where she was like, talk dirty to me. And what eventually transpired was her basically being like, I don't love you. Mm -hmm. And him saying, fuck you. That to me was one of the most like bone chilling moments I've ever like watched in the entire series. I was so uncomfortable. Mm. I was so deeply uncomfortable in that mm. moment. And there was a GQ article that came out this morning that was with Matthew McFadden about the last episode last night. And he basically says, a question was asked, what do you think the moment was that Tom realized that it was his turn to make a move? Like what was the scene where you think he was starting to dial in on the fact that he was going to betray his wife? 
And I couldn't tell if it was that moment during the dirty talk. If there was such like a spark in his eyes almost where he was like, it was dark and mm-hmm. it was the acting was incredible. But I almost am like, was it then that he was realizing that there's an alternative move here? I, I mean, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say that I don't think it was that early because because I didn't even know that it was like going to be a sale yet. You know, like right. I think logistically in like the possible moves to make, that wasn't an opportunity then that he could sort of sell them out or that even that Gojo would buy Waystar. But I do think that that was a real rupture in that maybe I shouldn't be in this marriage. Like, but that's maybe, what I'm saying. There was yeah. a moment where he was like, okay, this is like, it's not the scene on the beach where they're, he's like, maybe like my life would be better without you in it. Like mm-hmm. th- that moment to me felt like he was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be in this marriage. And like, yeah. what does the other side of that look like? I don't think he was thinking of betraying her in that moment. Oh, got it. But okay. there was such a like moment there where he, I felt there was a massive shift in Tom in that moment. Yes. And then the next morning too, when, when, what, what does he say? It's so good. He's like, well, maybe I should believe the words you say to me. Like, maybe I should trust you. <laughs> and I, it's like, Ugh. if you have to trust your wife when she says that she does not love you and then Shiv is like, well, I don't love you, but I love you. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, let's do that then. But no, I feel like he, I think that he made the decision, which I kind of like that it was like sort of a, not snap decision, but that he was really moving in the momentum and like not, that it was like sort of a quick judgment on his part that, you know what, nothing's happening with Shiv, nothing's happening with Kendall, nothing's happening with Roman. I need to get closer to Logan at the center of power. And I've been closer to him. You know, he's benefited me more than my own wife. So let's go. If And whatever happens with the kids happens with the kids. And that's not really my problem. And I, I love that sort of, just ruthless instinct that Tom has sometimes had. I think Tom, I talked with Matthew McFadden about this annually. Like Tom is so observant. Even going back to season one, he really does zero in on people. Look like he's such a um, such a student in a lot of ways that the kids are never really are. They're too arrogant and too bossy to like really be observant, be students of Logan. And Tom has always been. And that's sort of, you know, he's like a boy from what, Minnesota? Like that's right. why he makes it in New York. And he's also so different with every single person that he shares a scene with. So it does make sense to me that he would have like the killer ruthless instinct that none of the kids really had all along. I was like watching this episode last night and I was like, damn, is Tom about to be hot? Tom is? Are you, Pride and Prejudice? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, okay. Prime, different. <laughs> but in general, I think the character of Tom is not meant to be sexy. And there yeah. was that article that came out where he even said, he was like, there's not one bit of Tom that's sexy. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how last night I was like, wait, Tom is about to really throw me for a loop. He, it's also funny too, because um, Tom's voice sometimes is like so high and it's so goofy and funny. And then sometimes it's like really low and he's like serious. And I'm like, yes, that's the daddy voice. Okay. A hundred (laughs) percent. And the laugh and the whole thing. It's very Shakespeare. Yes, it works perfectly for Shakespeare. It is. We'll be right back after a quick break. As the holidays roll around, there is nothing that I love more than feeling my absolute coziest. That means sweatpants galore, slippers, my hair is probably in a messy bun, and of course, absolutely no bra, which is why I love to pull out my Frankly. I spend way less energy thinking about my bra and more just about feeling great and wearing what I want. Frankly is here to make braless an option for everyone. Frankly supports women of all shapes and sizes with stylish, sustainable solutions, sans the bra, so all cups can feel confident, supported, and uplifted. 
There is nothing worse than wondering, is my bra strap showing? Is my cup peeking out? I wish I could wear that lower back item. My bra hook is showing. Or even I just have to pull up the straps underneath a hoodie. And it's frankly time for a solution. With Frankly, you still get everything you want and need from a bra without the limitations. Designed with larger cup sizes in mind, every Frankly style is centered around adaptable support structures, constructed through innovative sewing techniques and high-quality fabrics. From tops to really cute dresses and bodysuits, everything fits to lightly and naturally lift, secure, and shape your breasts. And they even provide nipple coverage. Their clothes allow both larger-chested and smaller-chested women to go braless, offering options to cover cup sizes A to G. Use the code FRIEND at checkout for $20 off your first purchase at franklyapparel.com. That's F-R-A-N-K-L-Y apparel, A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Now let's get back to the show. The Nero and Sporus art dialogue in there was like my my inner nerd was like shrieking last night. That, Absolutely it, shrieking. It it has it's like such a long like runner that just right. pays off so perfectly because that was like really laid in like what episode two or three. It's it was I I sat in my room last night and I was like wow that was fully just in front of us the mm-hmm. whole time mm-hmm. like laid out. And I always find that to be so interesting when there are those like Easter eggs dropped throughout the show and they're right in front of you. But we pick up on all the other things besides that one moment. Mm-hmm. And did you see the posters? Um, yes. How, yes. Like the the posters for season three had like different groupings on either yes. side. And one of them was like actually how this ends where it's like all the siblings on one side and yep. then Logan, Tom and Greg on the other. And I, I saw someone tweet months ago like when the poster came out like, oh my gosh, Logan would like actually be done if that was his <laughs> team and he had the rest against him on the other side. It's like, that's exactly what happens at the finale. And Logan is actually sitting pretty. Like what he's sitting on his um, pile of five bell on top of the other pile of five bell. Like amazing. And telling them to go make their own piles. And let's see if they can do it. Let's see if they can do it. I don't know. Do you have faith? I mean, I really enjoyed watching the response from each kid during that moment because mm-hmm. Roman clearly was having a meltdown because he had tried so hard mm-hmm. to, he thought he was in. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, and honestly, Logan was manipulating him, being like, son, trust me, let's go. And that moment where both of his siblings looked at him and were like, no, Absolutely. was to me a, a kind of a shocking moment. I think that was the first time you ever saw the three of them really aligned against their dad. Shiv obviously fuming, seething. There was a moment where she walked away and she like held her stomach and you could see she was just shaking, mm-hmm. fuming. And obviously the moment with Tom was a killer. But there was something about Jeremy Strong that was almost a little too silent for my liking. I almost felt like at the end of the day, I mean, even though he had quite an emotional day, I wonder if you think that Kendall is almost getting what he wanted. He wanted to cash out, be done, move on. Yes, he was brought into this moment with his siblings, but he wasn't as reactive as the other two siblings were. Yeah, I think, I mean, I have a couple different reads on that. I think I think part of it is that you know, this has happened to him before. Right. That he's had these conversations with with Logan before. He's ever really seen... By that point, he's already like sort of not... He's like been not involved enough for long enough that he doesn't have like a Jerry or a Tom in the room, someone that he was really like trusting and believing in and counting on. So it makes him a little bit more cynical perhaps. But I think that... I don't know. I think Jeremy said this to me that he, he liked that in that moment, Kendall felt like a handmaid to his siblings yes. and to like their energy and their momentum and their 
plans. I thought that was like kind of special that that Kendall, who for so long is like the chosen one, the eldest son in his mind, all of these things, that he can kind of take a step back. And maybe that's the only way this dynamic works. Something also that I wanted to mention is that in the Vulture story, I quote Lucy Preble, the um, one of the executive producers who's so brilliant and smart. And she was like, when they were thinking about this finale, it was like, is there a way we can have all the siblings aligned but still keep their own individual motivations, which I think right. is like a very savvy thing to do. It's not just like Avengers Assemble and like they all like storm the Capitol, which is like their dad's house. Um, <sighs> but it is really like they all have kind of, you know, different agendas in that moment. Ultimately, that like their dad shouldn't sell the company. But Shiv is like mad that Roman gets attention. Kendall is like kind of over it, trying to be over it, like mad at the dad, but still like trying to support his siblings. Roman thinks they can kind of angle out the siblings in a way and when they're, like, when they're going there and then realize that he can't. And so I think that Kendall not driving it and just for once like stepping back was like a really provocative choice. Because it wasn't the meltdown that we had seen the past season and a half. Right. Okay, we have to talk about Caroline. I was just about to bring Ma- <laughs> I was about to be like, and mommy. You, listen, I have been waiting um, many months to put Caroline at the top of one of my power rankings because I ride for Caroline. Like, absolutely. One of my <laughs> friends did this last night. I love Caroline because she hates those kids and so do I. And absolutely right. She was first above Logan. She took the end of the season highest power ranking for I'll you. I'll say there is nothing. Caroline coming in on speakerphone and saying, Yes, I did it. I don't really want to talk about it. Peter's going to be thrilled. Peter's going to be thrilled. I, I was like, <gasps> when she said that, I was like, no. The way, I mean, the, the way that she leans on the phone, she says, mom, you just slit our throats. Yeah. And she just doesn't care. Like, there's no response to that sentence. I think, I she's think like, oh, don't be mad. I do have this idea that like, she is so like blithely, like, you know, irritated with them all the time. Right. I think there is something in her that we saw in the last episode that she is, she does feel sort of desperate. She does feel like the kids always choose Logan. And, and this time she's kind of like, well, whatever, I'll let them choose him and like see what happens. Like if I get the flat I want, then maybe it's not the end of the world that my kids actually have to learn for once that their actions have consequences, that choosing their dad all the time maybe will not work out for them. Well, I think one of the lines to me that sticks out the most in the season is about Logan always kicking and seeing if the kids will come back again. Yes. And he does that with everybody. Not That line wasn't just directed at the kids, but it was, you know, it's always to see how hard he can kick someone and, and how quickly they'll run back. And it was interesting to see that moment last night because it wasn't, especially in contrast with the conversation that happened between Shiv and Caroline mm-hmm. about, you know, her basically being like, you left me when I was 13. You chose, chose your dad. Mm-hmm. In the background, all of this was just, it was always about Logan winning. It was never about love. It was never about, you know, a family dynamic. It was just always about him needing to have all of the chips. And I think that in that moment on the phone, Caroline was just like, it's just the same thing. It's just, you know, it's the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. You guys Mm -hmm. just have more stakes in it this time. Mm -hmm. You guys actually care and realize what's going on. Yes, I think think there is. I interviewed Harriet Walter, who plays... Caroline, and, and we had a long talk about this, how how she sort of maybe resigned herself to this right. idea that, well, Logan always wins and the men always win. And there's not a lot of moves for me to make. And so if I'm offered, you know, if I trade my kids for everything else I wanted, and I'm also, I'm already marrying this guy who is a social climber, like who has care homes and who lost a lot of mon- money in like a 
what what kind of like it was a pastry business uh, something something like crazy it was something who also like held up his wedding waiting for Logan exactly like, everyone was exactly. there who, like, <laughs> <She> wanted, <laughs> who wanted Logan to be at his wedding more than he wanted his wife to be at his wedding right. savage um yeah she doesn't have a ton to do and and I think she says when Roman is like why are you even getting married again she's like well I can't just like you know grow old and and just have nothing to do like I want I want an active life and and Logan I think offers her you know, more access to that than the kids do. Because they really, they don't ever keep her close. Like she, she had to like fight to even get them to, to come to her house for a holiday or to get Shiv to have her wedding there. Like also I should say, Shiv wearing white to her mom's wedding. I was wondering why no one brought that up. Like <laughs> last night, just like scrolling conversations. I was like, wait, with the second that it panned to her walking into the wedding, I was like, She's wearing white to her mother's wedding. It is so funny to me. The fashion choices are interesting. I loved in your story, I think a conversation you had had with a costume designer was that they always try to match Tom to Greg and not Tom to Shiv. Yes. And and so it's like, it's hard to, I think, read that months ago. And then, but when you look at the finale and you see that like, they're both wearing like white, like blazers, or, like linen yes. jackets and stuff. And the, it's like, at the wedding. they look like two like husbands. Like they look so cute together. And I was like, hi, they're I wonder. They're No, I was like, hi, I wonder if. <gasps> and then we talked about it and they were like, oh no, yeah, we, it's like, it works to match them sometimes. Cause yeah. like that is his partner on the show. Yeah. I'm really excited to see where the two of them go next season. I cannot wait. Well, we know where Greg is going to be. Um, the bottom of the, the top. top. Yeah, the bottom, the bottom of, the top. of the top. Do you want to make it to the bottom of the top? And he's like, the bottom of the top, like thrilled by he's that like, opportunity. He's like, really like, ooh. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I'm going to make it out of the middle. Like, <laughs> so thrilled. That was pretty amazing. Okay, I feel like we've touched on everybody but Jeremy Strong, which oh. who, who has had quite a week and a half yeah. on the internet. Yeah. I know you read the story, but for people who are listening who haven't read the story, I definitely re- recommend going and listening to it right now. It was in the New Yorker last week. It is a hefty read. It's about like 7,000 words and it is a profile on him that is pretty interesting. I think you can take it a bunch of different ways, but the Mm -hmm. overarching takeaway from it was that he's very dedicated to his work, very Mm -hmm. invested in being an actor to a point that feels a little bit neurotic. Mm -hmm. Um, The line that stuck out to me the most from that was Brian Cox basically saying like, the result is always incredible, but like his journey to getting there can be quite scary. And I worry about him. Mm-hmm. The story had a compilation of a ton of different actors and people who like jumped in to talk about him. Michelle Williams was in there. Matthew, Matthew McConaughey was in there. Robert Downey Jr. It was really, it was a really crazy article, but it definitely painted him in a not so great light. And a bunch of people jumped to his defense this week. If you asked me a week ago what I thought about him, I would have been like, well, that story makes him sound really fucking crazy. <laughs> But last night I sat there watching his performance and I was actually giggling at when he was crying in the scene with the three of them behind the wedding mm-hmm. because I was like, Jeremy Strong, this is like him basically saying fuck you to everybody that read the article. <laughs> like his performance is, was really, really impeccable last night. But you were actually in Italy. You got to meet him. What was he like in person? Was Do you feel like the New Yorker profile was similar to what you experienced with him? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I think the profile, there's just like so much material there. There's so much going on. I was trying to explain it just now. I was like, okay, wait, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. There's so much. And there was so much in that piece. Right. It was yeah. sort of, I was talking to a friend and my friend said it was kind of like the bad art friend, like part two, <laughs> where really I think, I think, um, I think a lot of like the, 
just discourse about it is like he's super dedicated. He's super ambitious. He's super like he like has wanted to work with three actors his entire career and like has found a way to work with all of them. And I think the story was like this is crazy, but also like maybe he should like not be so intense about it, like not talk about it so much. Right. Which, you know, I think you can go either way about that. But I think that ultimately it's like his process is just very not method, but it's like it's very thorough. And sometimes it works for like coworkers. Sometimes it doesn't work for coworkers um, or co-stars. But I mean, not that like, I don't think you like meet Jeremy Strong and he's like awful to be around and like terrible. Like he's just totally nice and cool to talk to. And he makes a lot of references and he is definitely like, very educated and um, is like very curious about a lot of things. And Right. But otherwise, I think he's just like really dedicated to the work, like very intensely dedicated to the work. And will think a lot about every small decision, every big decision. And that's what I came away with the most. Even watching him in that scene, in the finale scene, he was the only actor I saw continuously, like, go to, like, the video village, like, where, like, the producers and, like, the um, showrunner and creator was, Jesse Armstrong, and, and like, check in and and ask questions or or just not, like, not questions like, am I doing good or bad? But just like, oh, do you think maybe I should try this? Maybe I should try that. And I thought that was like, you know, interesting to observe, but everyone right. works differently. So, you know, works for him, doesn't work for someone else, whatever. That's interesting. It's, I guess if I was in person watching that, I would, I would come away with that feeling like that person is just deeply invested. Yeah, it did feel like sort of like, you know, like the, the kid in class who like always has their hand raised, like first hand to go up. It was right. like that. Like, oh, like some people are just like that. Like, right. you know, I'm the person who sits in the back of the class and I'm like, how much longer are we here? Um. <laughs> there was a great tweet that I saw that actually made me step away from it all and be like, huh. And it said that everyone's jumping to his defense around an article that basically said he was a phenomenal actor. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that's very true. But that's why last night I thought it was absolutely epic. It was just a big, it was almost a big fuck you yeah. in my mind. He was so like, just a really beautiful performance in my mind. And I was mm-hmm. like, Okay, I keep defending him, but I think he just defended himself pretty fucking well. <laughs> yeah, I think I think just let the work speak for itself. Coming in last on your power rankings last night were Kendall's dog tag necklaces. <laughs> Tell us about how that, that landed there. I don't know. I just think that the necklaces are like such a funny detail to me. Yeah. Um, and it's like even like funny in that he wears them all the time. And it's like just for a character to have like such a specific like doesn't really have like a specific like level of taste or even like style but he like loves these necklaces and then the fact that like Jeremy has a very similar looking necklace but they're not the same necklaces which I asked him about them and he was like no this is like not the same that's Kendall's these necklaces are are Jeremy's mine and I was like oh okay interesting but they are very much alike are they not he was like yeah but they're different and I was like okay and that was in like the New York Magazine piece. But I don't know. I'm just like kind of tired of seeing them. I like, I think it's like such a funny trait, but also I'm like, it's just like, it's so funny, like sitting on his little, like, on his chest. I'm like, these necklaces are there all the time. Like we can try something else maybe. Like a little, like a, like a, what's that boy from Normal People? His like little chain. Paul Mescal? Yeah. What's normal that, People chain. What's that boy from? I never remember his name. I'm sorry. Oh my God, I love him. He's dating Phoebe Bridger. I know. I have There's a biggest crush some... on him, but never remember his name. Wow. that In is... my old age. I was going to say, that is incredibly, <laughs> incredibly mysterious and cryptic of you. I have such a crush on this boy, but I don't know his name. Very bold. <laughs> and I honestly, I just wanted to end it with a joke because I felt so sad about ranking Roman last. Um, I'm like, sad actually that you did last. that too. 
I kind of wanted Shiv to be last. Not to diminish her work or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's an argument for Shiv to be last. But I do think, if you look at the composition of the scene with the siblings in, like, that parking lot outside of, like, the wedding, and then the scene of them in, like, that living room after, like, it all kind of happens, the choreography changes. So before it was Kendall on the ground, you know, Roman leaning over him, and then Shiv touching his head. And then it becomes, at the very end, Roman on the ground, Kendall leaning over him, and then Shiv touching, like, kind of in their direction, her hand is. And so I think that that just kind of shows that, like, Roman is, like, the most defeated by all of this because, because he was the only one who does kind of keep that sentimentality about like, well, dad does love us and he does want to give us everything. And if we only worked hard enough or, you know, worked a little bit harder, then we could have it all. And even in that last scene as they're approaching Logan's villa, he's still kind of like, well, maybe we're not inside it because he hasn't brought us in yet. Or maybe, you know, if I call him, he'll explain it to us. Or, you know, I, I think he even says, I have to go in differently because dad and I have been working closely. Like if I can't just like charge into him, like, you know, I have like a different angle on this. And he does seem the most like disappointed and defeated by by being sold out. And and even though Logan does like appeal to him in the room, once you see, well, here are two other people in this room that Logan has also made promises to and look how that has turned out. Like he is, I think, has has lost the most in that moment. Because I think he lost his sense of like emotionally and like yeah. and materially. Like he thought his dad really loved him unconditionally and his dad doesn't. And now he like doesn't have, he's not like being primed for the job he thought it was being primed for. And that, um, and that was like really, really devastating. Logan saying, because it works, I fucking win. It's like, oh, how do you even compete with that? Like, how do you even, yeah. how do you even start to maneuver or manipulate around that? It's so crazy. But I think, you know, do you feel like Logan is going, I mean, do you think there's, there's like any softness there or any like, heart there at all like there's no I'm way. like a internal optimist when it comes to like love and familial matters I'm like of course he cares you're, you're the Roman and then I, I am the Roman 100% and I will take that I had to literally backtrack on what I just said because I was like no you're doing it again like, he doesn't care <laughs> but he doesn't I, care I think that he does care but about himself like yes there was a moment I mean I think that the saddest Logan moment of this episode for watching it for me was when he's talking to Lucas Matson. And yes. Matson is like, you built a great business. And like, I really look up to you. And like, you know, Tank Man and all of this stuff. Yeah, you're bulletproof. Yeah. And then he says this thing about like, you know, America used to like mean something. It used to be like important. And now we have like yoga and whatever and whatever. And and he does seem genuinely like sad that like, oh, I've actually built this thing my whole life. And it is sort of meaningless because everyone around me is like fucking it up. Like this entire generation yes. of people is fucking it up. He just like has a moment where he looks off from the camera from Matson and looks so, so somber in a way. And I think that's like the real emotional pang, the emotional beat for him is that sadness just about life. <laughs> One thing that I, about succession in general, that I just always, and maybe this is my personality being projected onto this, but I'm like, damn, if that was my father, I would be how Kendall was in season one. Trying like, to please him, trying to, trying to please him, like aspiring towards him, being very like your dad's a titan. Mm-hmm. Like I would be, have nothing but respect. Mm-hmm. So I think watching Succession, I always kind of go back and forth on that. I'm like, damn, these kids, man. So like, <laughs> like I'm like, oh my god, like they cannot just you know fall in line. But you're, I totally agree with you that that moment was very somber to watch. Like imagine building this whole thing having your kids try to destroy it many times and also not having one of them, not having a faith in one of them to 
take the reins and carry on. Yeah. It ends up being your (laughs) (laughs) son-in-law. I do think that was like, we had like two like flashes of emotion from Logan this episode. And it was him being sad, talking to Madsen like, okay, I kind of am aging out of this for like whether I want to or not. And then him being very proud of Tom and like pleased with Tom as he's like walking out and pats on the shoulder. Um, That? I think I had chills for like five. I think I really did have chills for five minutes. I was like, wow, savage behavior. Just, I mean, but then, you know, if you're talking about like Easter eggs as you were earlier, um, at the shareholders meeting, you know, where that UTI was running through Logan's body and Tom is the one who takes him to the bathroom. And Tom (laughs) is the one who's like, it was like in the stall with him. And, you know, in Logan's delirium, he like thinks that Tom is like a kid. Maybe he's Kendall. But then I thought it was funny that, that Tom calls Logan Pop which is always what Connor calls Logan. Ooh, interesting. So I didn't Did not pick I, up on that. Yes, but I it's not that Logan has always had this affection for Tom. Right. Remember season no, 1, no, no. he was like what are you doing? Yeah, he he said to Shiv like you're marrying this guy who's right. beneath you. Come on. <laughs> let's be serious. That the fact that one character can just feel so radically different about like another character over the course of 3 seasons is like fascinating to me. Like I just told you that I think Tom is about to be incredibly hot to me. Okay. <laughs> I think we can both agree that the trajectory of this character has rattled me to my core. I and it's like it's such a good performance too. Yes. I yes. I am okay, team Tom. Team Tom. Team Tom. I feel like you are the queen of a punchy line. And I sure look at she's batting her eyelashes. Okay. She's like, oop. What was your favorite line from this season? Oh. I'm of two minds. This is such a good question. One of my favorite lines was um, in the scene, as I said, this is my my favorite episode was when the siblings are all in uh, Kendall's daughter's You and I actually room. had a conversation about this scene being like, what a crazy setup to be in the kid's room. Like it kind of yes, fucks and you up mentally. The, the fact that the room was like so big, it, like huge. bigger than my apartment. It was like two different rooms. Yeah, like her closet plus, had plus a, a balcony too. Right. I was like, okay, wow. That, well, that, this can hold a conference room. Yes, that, <laughs> whole, that whole scene I thought was so great. But in that scene, that's when Kendall is like, okay, yes, I'm sorry I didn't bring the siblings in on this. I'm sorry that I kind of like fucked you guys over. But I talked to some lawyers and they're like, Roman and Shiv are like, well, you talked to lawyers? Like, oh, so you so you planned this? And he's like, no, I just talked to them like a little bit. Like, you know, and just to make sure I was like covered. And I think Roman says like, oh yes, like a thoroughly lawyered output of emotion. And it's just like the the way that you're like, really like negotiating your emotions with lawyers before you do them. And it's like an emotionally, but also like a business thing was just so funny to me. And then also the way that right before that, Kendall is like talking about the kids. He's like, oh, where are my kids? Where are my kids? And Roman just has a joke. Like, do you remember your kids' names? Like, come on. I thought that was so funny. What was your favorite line? You know, as you were talking, I was really trying to think of it. I'm going to go back to the Sporus and Nero thing because I just, I loved it. It was the only thing I posted on my Instagram. I love a <laughs> reference like that. I thought it was great. I think at the end of that initial scene, um, I think it's in maybe episode five or six. I'm sorry that I don't know exactly. But when he goes into Greg's office and completely destroys it, mm-hmm. before he does that, he tells Greg the tale of Sporus and Nero about mm-hmm. how Nero is Roman God and how he bought a big Roman book to read if he goes to prison and how he was going to learn from the Romans about building an empire. Mm-hmm. And then he tells Greg that he was married to someone. He pushed her down the stairs and killed her. 
because he loved a young boy named De Niro. He castrated him, ended up making him dress up like his wife and married him. <laughs> and you know what you're going to say, yeah. He tells him the story and he's like eating the muffins that like were put on Greg's desk from Logan as like a butter me up gift. And he's like, he looks at him and he's like, I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. Yes. <laughs> it's, that is such a good line. That is like a line that does not work on any Anything. other show. Like, <laughs> It is just so specifically a succession and so, so funny. And he ended up doing that. He did. He, very much he ended did. Up doing and that. They, they, like I said, they were out of one. They were like two grooms together yes. in those, in those and outfits. Dressed in white. I will also say, sorry, I have to pour one out for Roman saying, well, that explains why it took it fucking forever to get a drink at Shiv's 45 wedding. 45 minutes. Yes. 45 minutes. <laughs> that was like truly a, a like belly laugh for me. The humor just this last episode was everything I wanted and more. I feel like my cup is full. I cannot <laughs> wait another year and a half, but I guess we'll just It's have so funny to. that succession is the show that like fills my cup and it does. <laughs> so bad. It's such a bad cup to fill. I'm like, what are we doing? Who are we? It's like all insult, drama, hatred, like resentment, like oof, poor, poor, poor Roman. I feel so sad for him. I know. But I think he's going to come back. Phenomenal acting, by the way. That was… Yes. This whole season. Yeah, he's really… The side-by-sides of the moment that he sent the dick pic was a chef's kiss. That just… Four different facial expressions. Truly, in the the span of like just seconds. Seconds. was so good. So good. Hunter, this was so fun. I feel like I just… Like, I selfishly had you on to vent all of my (laughs) thoughts and crazy ideas about this season. This is so fun. I love having you on. I feel like every time I have you on, everything that I have planned to talk about goes out the window and we just shoot the shit. Exactly (laughs) how I want it. Maybe that's why I'm a two-time guest. I'll say it. The only two-time guest. So, you know, you get that seal. You get that sticker. Um, honor. I will take you you to horses for dinner to congratulate (laughs) you on all of your success being a two-time friend of a friender. (laughs) Um, Guys, if you are not subscribed to her Substack, it is absolutely necessary I'm going to be annoying and say it's in the description of this episode. (laughs) Um, And if not, she's Hunter H on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Hunter H on Instagram and then Hunter Y. Harris on Twitter. Hunter E. Harris. Yes. What's your middle name? Yvonne. Wow. I'm still going to call you Hunter E. Harris. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) does. It's okay. (laughs) Um, Follow, subscribe, do all the things. It's really a, speaking of belly laughs, it is a weekly belly laugh for me. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.